Hey, this is Steve Balton. You're here on My Turning Point. And, dude, certain people in music need no introduction. And when you've played with both Bootsy Collins and George Clinton as part of Parliament Funkadelic, there's really not much more to be said other than please join me and the amazing, incomparable, legendary Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Bootsy Collins, on this week's My Turning Point. Is there one moment for you that you really look back on that sort of set you on the path to where you are today. And it's funny, maybe it even ties in with finding the healing power of music as a kid. I don't know what yeah. it is, but is there one that stands out? Yeah. Um, um, wow. Um, one thing that stands out. Um, wow. Because it's so many, so many, so many things. Um, well, like I said, uh, I know, this, you know, most musicians have more than one, but, you know, is there yeah. one that comes to mind first? Um, I would say, I guess, uh, probably in like 2018 when, um, I was told I had to stop doing the road, uh, because, uh, you know, I had to get an operation on my ear and they had to cut this thing out of my ear. And, you know, uh, so that I think was the start of, you know, me getting a chance to stop running so much and stop, um, uh, so much of the road and start thinking about more of the music and wh how I could get it out and still stay connected with the people. Um, I think that might have been my last um, uh, turning point before COVID um, that started to get me in gear that, okay, you know, you're going to be in the studio now. And so you might as well start gearing up and start getting, you know, getting your creative juices flowing and, you know, stop thinking about, you know, because the, the road is a whole nother beast. I mean, the road is a beast. <laughs> you know, we all love it, you know, especially uh, nowadays when they, you know, when it's taken away, you know, you, you know, because that's, that's our life, really our livelihood. You know, so all of that's been taken away. So that, I guess, was the second biggest turning point was that being taken away. And it, it's so strange because the year before that, the year before this happened, I got a chance to start to try to settle into not being on the road. And I had no idea. I mean, you know, um, uh, when you're living like this, you just, you know, and you, you depend on the universe to give you these creative ideas. It ain't you, you know, it's, it's all coming from somewhere, somewhere else, you know, and it's a gift to you. And the, the, well, that's my feelings anyway. Um, and so you, you, you call on these things, you know, when you really know you need them, you know, um, and so I start calling on it, you know. I need this, you know, you know, and, and it comes at any time, you know, you can be dead sleep, you know, and you wake up with this great idea, you know, and all of a sudden you have to put it down. And so 
I started to get not used to uh, that because that's kind of the way things have been coming to me all my life. But so, you know, it's not like I started to get used to it, but I had a chance to kind of settle down a bit before COVID hit. And when COVID did hit, I had a little, um, I guess a little jump because I kind of went to summer school for it. If you, if you will, I kind of went to summer school for getting ready you know, for the real school, you know, and when uh, COVID hit, it was like, uh, it, you know, it was like, wow, what do I do now? You know, I'm about 50% finished with the record. And, you know, we had a blast because it was like, we got a chance to do a lot of stuff with a lot of the live musicians. So that was the great part. Uh, when we got down to, uh, um, you know, having to record by email and we transfer and talking over the phone using the internet. You know, that's actually the, how uh, George and I, George Benson and I, you know, had to do our parts, you know. And, you know, it kind of it was a bummer at first until we both realized that this is the way we got to do it and, and it can be done. And we started to have a little more fun with it, you know, um, and that's kind of the way we started, started it all off. And, and after that, it was like, wow, you know, send it back to George, you know, he started, uh, you know, grinning and laughing and cause he couldn't believe it either. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's like George Benson, you know, wanted to play on this funk, you know, and, and he actually did it. And we wasn't together. So it's, it was kind of amazing, you know, um, because we're so used to playing with each other. You know, uh, we didn't get the opportunity to do that, but we did get the opportunity to make a record together. And that to me is like, I mean, that's, that's the next best thing to be in there, you know, doing this record together. And we did it. Well, there's so many directions to go in with that. You know, it's really funny because I also got the chance earlier this year to interview Ozzy Osbourne, who went through a very similar experience to what you did. And Ozzy and I have known each other for many years, but he went through yeah. a very similar experience because he had neck surgery in 2019. Oh, so he was wow. actually dying. So same thing. He And he's like, yeah. but it's funny because you seem to be in good place with it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie yeah. when he and I were talking. He was losing his fucking mind. He's like, oh. he's like, this is the longest I've ever been home in my entire life. He's yeah. like, this is the longest I've been off the road. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it hits you like that. Once, once you really get into it and start thinking about it, um, you know, it's like, I've never been at home this long, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I started to realize that, you know, maybe I need to, you know, settle down for a minute and get these creative juices flowing because I wasn't feeling like I was doing music the way I really should. I wasn't paying it as, as much attention as maybe I should, you know, like the road takes all of that. Um, you know, it, it, it's not just playing on the road. It's, you know, you, it's keeping up with everything. And, you know, the, you got the band, you got the truck drivers, you got, and you know, you got people that uh, that's responsible uh, for well, supposed to be responsible for for some of that stuff, but you have to 
be the one to make sure everything happens because it's your name. And uh, all of that falls on you. That's probably uh, uh, had a lot to, to, to do with where Ozzy was coming from, too. You know, it's like, man, you know, it's just it's so much stuff you have to do. But at the same time, it has to be done to stay out there. And a lot of people love it, like George Clinton. He loves it. He, he can't live without it, you know, just like Ozzy. <laughs> you know, I mean, these cats can't, you know, that's what they live for. I live for the music, you know, and however I can um, uh, get it out, you know, um, I'll take it. You know, it, it's like, you know, it's like one way or the other, it, you know, it, it matters. But then again, it don't matter because as long as I can get this music out of me, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And um, and so uh, it kind of proved itself when I did this record to me that you could still do this regardless if you're in the studio with, with your boys or, you know, you have to do it over the, the internet, you know? Yeah. I like one over the other one, but it, it don't, it didn't matter in this case. It was like, you got to get it done. And so I took that approach. You know, it's so funny because I've also interviewed George many, many, many times. And the last time was yeah. two years ago for a, a Forbes call him. I do called who I am. Now let me ask you, because, you know, yeah. George has said he's retiring from the road. Do you think he'll ever actually be able to retire from the road? George, George <laughs> no, the road is hanging around his neck, man. He cannot. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the biggest joke in the world. You know, when he said that, I was like, I'm, I, I was like, come on, George. <laughs> 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 that was so funny. And he know he has to have an audience. I mean, he has to have an audience. You know, um, that's why, you know, when we used to go fishing all the time, that became our audience, you know, and George loved fishing, you know, you cannot take, there's two things in this, on this world you cannot take from George and that's an audience, you know, with him being on stage. And I mean, he don't, he don't even have to have a band on stage. It's just, as long as he's <laughs> on stage, he's good, you know, um, you know, that or he's fishing that's his relaxation you know he's he's fishing those two things you take those two things away you have no joys Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny because for you you know but it's interesting because you've been around so many people who've done it like you know for you yeah. how do you find yeah. that balance because, you know, I also was very lucky that I got to interview James only once, but I did get to meet him. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, so for you, you know, talk about finding that balance that you've had of making the music, but also being around these guys who, you know, just they live for that audience and how that's influenced you musically. Well, I think, I think first of all, it's like being a musician is different than being like a front man you know, like, which I was kind of put into, uh, uh, to be in the front, man. All I wanted to do in this world was play with my brother in a band. That's all I wanted to do. You know, um, I mean, when I first started playing at nine years old, all I could see was me and my brother playing together. Um, and, and that, none of that never changed. I mean, um, no matter what I, where I went to, James Brown, once we got with James Brown, 
you know, I got lessons, you know, everything was a lesson to me. Everything was, you know, uh, a listening session, you know, uh, I was being taught, I was being schooled. And uh, even though I was a cocky kid, you know, I was always, um, uh, you know, trying to be uh, disciplined. I was, I know I needed to be disciplined because I was a fool out in the streets, you know, and it was like, um, okay, James Brown. Th now, this is the the biggest opportunity in the whole wide world for me, you know, um, and so I got to be on it, you know, and I got to, you know, I got to practice. I got to make sure I got it down and I got to listen, you know, um, and we were already playing over King Records. So that gave me a jump on it. That was kind of my summer school was the King Records because you had to learn how to play with other artists. And so as a musician, you get taught to be disciplined or you get taught or you take your own teaching and go in there and tell people how to, how you want it done. And I never took that approach. I always took the approach of where, um, you know, what, what are you hearing? What do you want? And then when they say, no, we want it, you know, we want to get your young vibe. We want to see where you're coming from. Once I started getting that kind of request, it kind of just led me on over into just doing doing it the way I I see it and the way I feel it. And James Brown taught me that, you know, once you give me the one, you know, <laughs> you know, all I need is the one. He said, all that other stuff you plan is great. You know, I love it. I don't understand it. But give me the one and I'll love it. So I start applying the one. And what, you know, what he meant by that was every measure, you know, he, he wants you to give him, emphasize that one. And so I started to do that. He started to smile. He started to be groovy. And he started to be happy on stage, you know. And so that made all of us happy, you know. Uh, but, of course, he would always tell us we wasn't happening. You know, he would always try to cut you down. So... I got an opportunity early on to be cut down um, while at the top, you know, at the top of the game with James Brown. And every time he called us back there, he would cut us down talking about, you ain't on it, son. You just, you ain't got it. Uh, you, you don't <laughs> have the one, <laughs> you know. And just like you just started laughing, once we heard that so much, you know, we knew he was crazy because we were killing the people. The people was loving the show and everything we did, the people was loving it. And James would call us back there right after the show. Nah, y'all ain't got it, you know? And he kept saying that. And it was like, okay, either this fool is crazy or, you know, are we missing something? And I knew we wasn't missing nothing because we were, we wanted to be the, tightest band we wanted to you know show him that we could actually play and uh he recognized that with other people but to us he would never admit it he would never admit that he would never say to us that you know oh man y'all killing me you're killing me unless we did a bad night you know and that's when i found out he was really full of it you know when we got up there and sounded like crap and we knew it, and then he called us back there and said, ah, 
Son, you kill me. You kill me dead. You kill me dead. Keep on doing that, son. When he did that, I knew he was gone. <laughs> I knew he wasn't home. <laughs> and so that part of it, <laughs> that part of it, you know, kind of, you know, once I left him and got over to George and started being able to do what the heck I wanted, anything, any and everything I wanted to do, I think I got the balance in between those two, in between James and in between George, because George wanted me to do anything I felt like doing. You know, he's like, bring that phone. Give me that one. You know, as a matter of fact, he took he took the one that I brought over from James Brown and he claimed it. And he said everything is on the one, you know, so he took it even further. Um, and so the whole thing became about the one, you know, and uh, we emphasize and re-emphasize it on all the music. If you uh, you check it out, we just start laying a heavy one on it, you know, and um, and it became a thing. But but to answer your question, the uh, the balance for me came between uh, James and George Clinton. If I hadn't had those two, I don't even know if I would. Um, would be here talking to you right now because you know it was it was a deep very deep situation and to be able to make it through the the james brown and all the other stuff in between and the george clinton parliament funkadelic thing to be able to to be here and and still be able to talk like maybe i might have a little sense and to be able to record music and to play Man, I mean, you know, it's like I, I I cannot be ungrateful or not thankful. There's no way, you know, uh, and that's the difference, I think, between a lot of the musicians um, that go through the crap that we all go through. Um, and, you know, I just refuse to see that side of it that I went through and let that dominate me. Um, I'd rather I'd rather feel the the goodness of the music that I have left, you know, not the stuff I've lost. You know, I don't live off my past. I live uh, looking forward to creating and help creating the future. So, you know, it's like it's where your mind is at. It's where your heart is at. Um, you know, uh, I'm not depending on none of that past stuff. You know, uh, would I like to go back? No, <laughs> I've been there already. And we had a blast. I mean, you know, I couldn't go back and have more fun than I had. I already know that. So it's like, what's in the future? I want to help create the future, whatever that is. I want to look in kids' eyes and see that sparkle that I used to have. You know, um, that's the stuff that inspires me. Not just playing on stage, playing all those old songs. That stuff don't inspire me anymore. You know, I'm inspired when I see young kids doing that, you know. Um, but as far as me being inspired, I have to do new stuff with new people, you know, with fresh blood, with blood I haven't um, played with, um, crazy stuff, experimental stuff. I mean, that's the stuff that excites me, not going back doing what I used to do. Well, you know, there's so many directions to go with that. It's funny. But first, you know, just going back to to the idea of how James would, you know, kind of work you guys, you know, yeah. first of all, 
have you ever met an artist who isn't a crazy perfectionist? Um, no, no, especially guitar <laughs> players, you know, singers. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I, I could go on and on, but you know the deal. You've talked to them, you know. But uh, but yeah, uh -huh. it's um, it's 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 a thing, you know. It's just uh, it's just the way we're built, you know. Um, you know that perfectionist side is just there, and really ain't nothing we can do about it other than, you know, either either you can grow with it and realize it's there and not fight it um or you know you can just go out and continue with it and you know i mean i know i got i got that side of it but i also know how to laugh at myself you know um and i think i think a lot of us don't learn that part of it you know we're all so serious you know um I'm serious too, but I'm silly serious, you know, and, and I kind of always been that way. And I think that's might be my saving grace, um, you know, by just having that silly part, just, just come up and take over whenever I get too serious, you know, um, uh, and it, and it happens. I mean, at any point, you know, I can get so serious, you know, and, and it takes a minute to, to snap out of that. You know, sometimes uh, people just can't snap out of it. And, and by me understanding it, I don't laugh at people, you know, that can't snap out of it because it really ain't funny. I mean, because that's a, that's a heck of a, it's kind of like a drug, you know. It's a heck of a thing to be caught up in and you can't get out of it. Well, all right. Now, for you, taking this now to the present, because I don't want to just focus on the past. You know what you're talking about of seeing the young people do it. Talk about what you looked for in collaborators on this record and the people that you wanted to work with, and how that inspires you to get to work with so many different people in the in you know as sort of the band leader at this time, in the sense of you're bringing on the guests that you want to have on there. Yeah. Well, I, I looked at it as a whole. Um, you know, I, I wanted to bring people on that uh, wouldn't ordinarily be playing with the funk or wouldn't be playing with me. Um, and I wanted to do that in a time where the world is saying we're so di divisive, so split. You know, I wanted to do it in a time uh, like now. And not that I that I kind of, you know, plan this time. It's just this was the perfect time to do it. And um, so I started, you know, I meet a lot of uh, musicians and artists anyway. Uh, but since I was doing this record, it was like, I want to get some of the baddest unknown people, you know, um, I, well, I must say known and unknown because the young one, the younger ones were more of the unknown. Uh, the older vets, they, they're mainly the known cats, but they also uh, were, were in a different genre of music. You know, Bella Fleck, Branford Marcellus, Victor, I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Cornell West. All these, all these mugs have a different a kind of agenda, a different um, genre of music. 
uh, and a whole maybe a whole different outlook. Uh, and so I wanted to bring these people together along with these young, exciting kids that I felt like was, you know, was getting it on and people wasn't really uh, was missing them. You know, uh, like, you know, uh, Taz, this young, you know, 17 year old guitar player, um, you know, uh, I've been talking to him and his dad for the last four years and we've been talking about doing something and we actually never did it. Um, Kingfish, you know, uh, this incredible young blues guitarist, you know, um, we have been talking about doing something, never got to doing it, you know. And so when this when this thing hit. Uh, it was like, okay, this is the time to put all of that stuff you've been, you know, rambling around in your head. You know, this is the time to put this stuff together. And I did it in a, a song by song uh, method. It wasn't like I just came up with who's all going to be on the record. It's like each song kind of told me who should be on the record. Uh, as I worked on the song and, um, you know, uh, I started like Christian McBride, you know, he was like playing a hundred miles from here. Um, and I actually went to the show. Um, we met, we talked and, uh, I told him, you know, we, we're doing this record and I wanted him to, you know, do some bass stuff. He thought I was talking about electric bass. I was like, no, man, I want you to do your upright. (laughs) <laughs> you upright thing, man. You know, I mean, this is what you kill at, you know. Uh, and so once he realized that that's what I really wanted him for, he brought his upright bass, man. I mean, here to Cincinnati, we jammed for a couple of days in the studio. Uh, same thing with Branford Marcellus, you know, and his his drummer came in, Justin. Faulkner and we just had a blast of a time you know uh and I think you know we all kind of started that party vibe uh of being in the studio just having a great time so when uh when COVID hit um the party was already kind of set up as far as you know the vibe on the record um everybody that jumped on the record just joined the party um, and they added to it. They brought their thing to the party and added to it. And, and, and then in the end, the whole thing just sounded like we were just having a blast, which we were. Everybody got a chance to escape this COVID thing and then play some music and, you know, create their own parts. And I mean, it was just, it was just an amazing event. It was like a concert, uh, party going on um in everybody's own bubble and we just had a blast with it all right it's interesting i don't want to keep you too much longer either you know because i mean i don't want to take up too much of your time but you know it's interesting so when you go back and because i talk about this with artists all the time right when you make a record you're in the midst of making it you're not sitting there you know thinking about what it's like what you're you're just doing it so when you go back and listen to the power of one as a whole record what do you take from it I take that um, I did accomplish uh, the 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 one thing I wanted to do um, was have some healing, fun, party music, talk to everybody, um, speak to everyone, um, and no, you know, it, it, everybody was inclusive on this. It's like 
it's inviting everybody. And when I listen to it, that's what I hear. It's like everybody is wearing whatever they want to wear. You know, it's like clothing. You know, nobody laughs at, and if you do laugh at uh, what this, uh, this other person got on, it's all in fun. You know, it's like everybody's stuff is, is funny, you know, um, depends on who's looking at it. And so this record for me brought all the colors together and just have as much fun with it as we possibly could. And the fun can continue. And um, that's what I hear in this record is, you know, it's all of what I've been through, all of what I've uh, learned. Um, and the main thing is bringing people together and, and, and people that haven't, even people that haven't been together uh, on, on this stage. Um, and it was just so much, you know, Emmy Sunshine, she was 15 years old you know, singing stars, you know, um, and it, 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 it was just incredible how it all came together. Uh, Ovidio, who's uh, from Cuba, you know, she's on there, you know, and it's like, um, man, this is stuff, you know, this is stuff that uh, I, I kind of, I have been building up to do, but I really wanted to overdo it on this, but not overdo it to the point that it's overdone. Um, and it feels like, you know, I've, I, I've done that. You know, Ellis, Ellis Hall, you know, this is a singing fool. And, you know, he's, he's, a, blind, he's a blind guy, but you would never know it. You know, if, if you close your eyes and Ellis was on stage, you would never know he was, he was blind. Uh, I mean, he sees everything. He feels everything. Uh, his coloration on the music. I mean, it's just it's just so amazing. And then Larry Graham, I I, I had to talk to him about playing on um, um, if you want me to stay, you know, because of him and Sly's relationship, he didn't want to do it, you know. And you know, I I talked to him about it, you know. And since we've been friends since 1972, you know, he finally said, "Okay, I'll do it." So all of this this effort went into this, you know, this record and uh, it wasn't just musical. It was all this vibe for each other, you know, went into this record. And, you know, that's what I see going into the world. We have to do this in the world. We have to put ourselves into each other with each other. Um, and that's what I feel this, this record has done and is doing. Cool. Well, that feels like a good wrap-up, though. Is there anything that you want to add I didn't ask you about? Oh, man, I'm just, I'm just so elated, elated man, because you know all the people you talk to, all of us. <laughs> and it's so funny. I mean, um, you know, when you, when you have talked to all of these people and, you know, you get these different, these different things and, um, every time you you say something like about Ozzy or George, it just reminds me of how it it really is, you know. Um, and I don't know how I got a chance to escape any of that stuff, you know. Well, I mean, um, these are some of the best people, you know. And George was, you know, again, it's funny because he was like, he's like, I'm a huge fan. He's like, I just don't know what I can bring to the record, you know. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know what I can bring to, you know. 
Wow. Is that what you said? Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, he sent it to me and he's like, this is, you know, basically he's like, this is amazing. He's like, but I don't know what I can bring to it. You know? Well, you know, he kind of, he kind of said that to me, but I had to reassure him of who he was. You know, I'm like, you man, you might, you one of my heroes, man. You can't, you know, what do you mean? What, what you can't bring to it, you know? And and when I started laughing about it, I think he, it kind of eased him up a little bit more about who he is. You know, sometimes we have to, we as artists and musicians have to be um, reassured of who we are because the world has changed so much. I remember Bobby Womack, you know, when he came out in uh, 2008, we was doing a record and, you know, he had been working with some young people and he kind of wasn't really sure about himself. You know, uh, and so when we started to work together, it was like, how you want me to sing it? How you want me to, you know, and I was like, man, just just be you, <laughs> be you. And then I would laugh about, I mean, you know, <laughs> what kind of question is that? You know, like, what do I want from you? I want you to do your thing, you know, and as simple as that sounds, a lot of us older musicians and artists we forget because we live living in a whole new world. And so people try to uh, get like, especially record companies, they would, man, you, you know, you got to update yourself, you know, update your sound and, you know, your vocals got to sound like whoever's number one. And, you know, so you get so much of that, that you forget who you are. And I know for a fact that I have to do that with a lot of people, especially older people that come into the studio because sometimes we forget who we are and we have to be reminded. It's like, it's like, remember what you did on 105th street? Oh yeah. I, you know, and then he starts saying, I like, well, that's what we need right there, you know? And then he went to work and the, and the rest is history, you know? And, and so, you know, it's, it's just musicians have a, a very difficult time getting through and like I said you asked me how did I get through it I I really can't explain it you know other than like I said you know I I just kind of took a lot of stuff as funny you know um, and that's what kind of helped me get through it learning from the best and getting on the other side of it and and getting a chance to laugh at myself in the mirror and um, but it's funny just I think it goes hand in hand with every artist being a perfectionist, just as every artist is a perfectionist. Of course, they feel like they're never good enough because, you yeah. know, if you felt like you yeah. were good enough, then you wouldn't feel, you would, you know, so the humility yeah. is a good thing. But yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's like a curse and a blessing, you know, it's like you got to take both, you know, and so I've decided to embrace both of them, you know. Neither one is the best one to be, you know, because I'm both of them. You know, all, two equals one. That's the that's the way I look at it. Yin and yang. That equals one. That's what it is, you know. Um, so I, I I just embrace both of them and um, and take them as they as they are. You know, it's a curse and a blessing. You know, you can't have one without the other. 
Cool. What a great pleasure and honor to speak with you. So, you know, I thank you so much for your time. Oh, man. Oh, thank you, man. And uh, let's have some fun with it. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, this was great, man. It was a blast. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. Hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. What a blast and a trip to talk with the legendary Bootsy Collins. Thanks. Squeeze every moment out of summer with a mango dragon fruit Starbucks refreshers beverage. It's a combo of sweet mango and bold dragon fruit flavors for a vibrant, refreshing way to cool down on hot days. Your happy is here at Starbucks. Order ahead on the app. Investing doesn't have to be intimidating. In fact, accessible investing happens every day on the Acorns app. Acorns takes your spare change from your daily purchases and invests it into portfolios that could grow with time. On average, Acorns users invest $490 a year from spare change alone. Start putting your spare change to work and get a bonus $10 investment when you sign up at acorns.com slash invest10. Remember to consider your investment objectives before investing. For further information and disclosures, visit acorns.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.